Welcome to The Advertising Show, America's only radio program focusing on advertising, media, marketing, product development, branding, new media, sales and customer relations. Stay with us for entertaining marketing discussion and our special guest interview. Now, here are your hosts, Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth. The Advertising Show being brought to you by Advertising Age magazine. Visit online at adage.com. The Advertising Show is a big radio midgets production, and we welcome you for a special rebroadcast of a show that originally aired back in July of last year, July 18th to be exact. Uh, social media expert Amber Mack connects on all things digital. Amber has uh, worked for uh, Razorfish, San Francisco, Microsoft Canada, a number of emerging technology companies. She's an exclusive speaker with the uh, Lavin Agency, where she keynotes on web strategy at dozens of conferences across North America every year. And we are happy to bring her back to you this year in 2011 here at The Advertising Show. Enjoy. Power Friending is the book, and uh, it is called Demystifying Social Media to Grow Your Business. And a, a quote here. From a guy named Tony, says, Amber understands how important it is for all of us, both as individuals and as businesses, to be able to use social media to connect with people in ways that are real and authentic. And I think she is a leader in this space. That is Tony Robbins that said that, by the way. You know Tony. So, Amber, it is good to have you here on the show. Welcome back. Not welcome back, but welcome to the advertising show. Thank you so much for having me on. Well, we're we're honored to have you on. You're the first uh, to focus specifically on uh, power friending, and we're going to talk a lot about Twitter as well. We've had digital media experts and and specialists on the show in the past, but uh, you're you're the first for this uh, area of focus. And we've got a lot of questions that came through Twitter uh, at the Ad Show uh, account, and I'm going to share those with you later on during the interview. But first off. Amber, why the book? Who, who, who did you write the book for, and what was the motivation behind Power Friending? Well, I think the motivation for me writing the book was I also, uh, aside from um, doing some stuff on television and writing some columns, I do a lot of speaking about social media throughout North America, and I had spoken at a number of events week after week, and every time I realized that as much as I think we think that we understand the social media space, there are so many other people out there who really don't understand what we're talking about, and they really need a how-to guide to get them started. And so I wrote the book as a guide for people to be able to, from start to finish, build out a social media strategy and have all of the tools and information they needed to get started and hopefully uh, to avoid some of the mistakes other companies have made. So as much as uh, an introduction as well as, uh, I think, from having read your book, uh, some good good advice even social media will become tools that are used for communication. Brad, uh, you need to restate that question. You're, you're going away on Skype. No, you're still going away. Are you That's there? One. Okay. Hello, hello, hello. Yeah, you're there. Go ahead and pick up. Uh, go ahead and pick up your question. Okay. You say in your book, uh, moreover, social media will become just another set of tools that are used for communication. I'm curious. Do you see all social platforms as really just kind of like email and other ways of connecting with people? Yeah, I mean, I think they really are just other forms of communication. I think sometimes we put too much emphasis on the technology, but the reality is these are just different platforms that allow us to do things, uh, including communicate with people and be social. I mean, we're all, we've are all we been social uh, creatures for uh, 
centuries and centuries and centuries. And so I really like to uh, encourage people not to be too afraid of the technology, but again, just think about the technology as a way, a means to an end, so a way to be able to connect with people and have conversations. What is the fear factor, though? I mean, is it, is it not understanding the technology? Is, it, is there a fear factor in wondering where your information is going to go or giving up privacy? What is it? I think for most people, at least in the advertising and marketing world, what I've found is the fear is about doing something wrong using the tools. The fear is that they'll be too complicated. They don't really understand uh, what type of messages they should be putting out there. And they just feel as though it's a whole other world. And so there's a lot of fear in terms of dipping their their big toe in and and, uh, experimenting with the tools. But the reality is you can't really break any of these tools. I mean, this isn't like uh, really complicated technology. Technology that, where you can hurt anyone. I mean, if you make mistakes online, fortunately, I think the internet audience is fairly forgiving. And so, again, I think uh, you know, I think people should be less afraid, and I think they should be a little braver and uh, excited to be able to experiment with these tools. Because we've seen, you know, year after year now, many businesses who have really leveraged the power of social media and have done amazing things with very small budgets uh, and also small teams. Uh, Amber, a Twitter question from one of our followers. Jason wants to know your thoughts on getting around the tricky balance of professional business tweets versus personal tweets within the same account. So mixing business with personal tweets on the same account, is this a problem? That's a really great question. You know, what I would say is it really depends on what type of business that you are running. But I will say that people on Twitter do appreciate those little personal tidbits. I mean, it may sound strange, but at least I found that as much as I, I use Twitter as a platform to promote what I'm doing, when I do things like I post a picture of my son or I post what I just ate for breakfast or anything else that has that sort of personal edge, I think people really appreciate that and they feel as though it makes it human. And and at the end of the day, I think people are, are lacking that human connection in, in their jobs and, and they really want to be able to go online and to have that experience where they can find out a little bit more about somebody who works at a company and they're not just dealing with a, a faceless entity. You know, I'm curious, how do how does someone from a business standpoint uh, look at whether they're successful in other, uh, or not when they're doing social media? In other words, you know, there are a lot of organizations out there that have an active and ongoing social media presence, yet they still struggle, as many do, with determining whether it's successful or not. How, how do you go about measuring a successful social media effort? Well, I think for a lot of people, they forget that uh, they should have a plan in place when they're trying to engage in any type of social media activities. Instead of just jumping in and using the tools, they should have goals, they should establish what tools they're going to focus on, and they should also have measurements for success. And and as far as measuring success, one of the best ways that you you can do that is by using a tool like Hootsuite, for example, that allows you to measure traffic to traffic to certain links that you're putting out in on the internet. Uh, you can also measure things like comments that you might have on your blog and keep track of how successful and how much people are engaging in the internet space on your different platforms. And so if you want to know what a successful campaign looks like, it looks like as far as the conversations that are happening about your brand, they are actually rising um, and uh, hopefully many uh, positive conversations as well and, and feedback. Even a person as global and uh, as worldly as as Tony Robbins uh, admitted uh, in your book that uh, I don't understand this, I don't I don't know about this, I'm afraid of this. How, how did you get uh, Tony to come around to uh, uh, to to believing well, in I this? Think, I think 
the end of the day, Tony is one of these people, and there are many people out there like this, who realize the value of social media. I mean, they understand that this is a new world, and this is where people are going to get information first, and they know that they need to participate. But there still is a little bit of free fear. And so I think with Tony... He just knew in terms of his business being successful and continuing to get crowds out at as many events that he had to really find a way to use this technology. Because if you think about what he does, I mean, he speaks at multiple events every year. He gets lots of people who come out, um, you know, thousands of people who show up. But at the end of the day, after someone comes to an event, they kind of go away and maybe he doesn't see them again for a couple of years. Well, he wanted a way to be able to extend that relationship with those people so he could communicate with them on an ongoing basis. And there are no better tools to do that than social media tools. Very good. You know, staying with Twitter just for a second, uh, you know, I think a lot of people think of, you know, it's all about numbers and having as many followers as possible and that this translates to success in terms of number of conversations or even potential quick click-throughs to your website, I guess, if it's a commercial endeavor or personal for that matter. Is there a quantity versus quality uh, aspect to followers on Twitter, or is it really all about just sheer numbers? I really don't think it's all about numbers. I mean, numbers are important to a certain extent, but if you have uh, 10,000 people following you, but they're not engaged and they don't care about your brand, that's not really helpful to you. But uh, I think people need to focus on numbers in terms of seeing an increase in the number of people who are following them. But what I would focus on more is the quality and uh, the quality of engagement. So how often are people having conversations with you? Are they connecting with you? Are you getting value out of that relationship? And so, for instance, you may be a small business who runs a pizza shop and you only have 500 people following you, but maybe those 500 people are in your neighborhood and therefore they become really loyal and important customers to you. So it's not always great to focus on the exact number. You want to, you want to focus as well on the conversations and the type of people who are engaged. The book is called Power Friending, Demystifying Social Media to Grow Your Business. And our guest out of Toronto this weekend is Amber Mack with Rachel and some Brad Forsyth on The Advertising Show. Want more? Okay, we'll do it. Stay right here. You're listening to The Advertising Show with Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth. My dog's faster than your dog. My dog's bigger than yours. My dog's better. Welcome back. Ray Shillins, Brad Forsyth on The Advertising Show. Amber Mack, our uh, special guest today out of Toronto, demystifying social media to grow your business. Boy, good idea. Good book uh, reading, too, as well. Uh, the book is actually called Power Friending. And it opens up with Amber uh, on uh, Tony Robbins' jet. Now, I want you to tell me about this, Amber. It's it's a G4. He probably has more than one jet, right? Or what kind of an airplane does he have? Do you know? Uh, I'm not sure. I think this one was, uh, I think he rented it for a specific speaking event. So, uh, oh, those sure. are cheap. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I think he does that quite often. So uh, it was a pretty unique experience for me. I was working as a technology reporter in Toronto, and um, someone Tony worked with got in touch with me, and they knew that I specialized in social media and said, hey, we, we're interested in talking to you, and, and uh, I would really like you to meet Tony. And I said, well, that would be great. Um, let's connect in Toronto. Maybe I can interview him for a show that I do. And so I had a chance to interview Tony. And then we hopped on his plane 
Wayne and uh, uh, took a quick flight to one of his speaking events. And I sat beside him and talked about technology, how it works, and social networking and the popularity of things uh, like Twitter that were just uh, beginning during that time. And we had a great conversation. And like I said before, I mean, he really understood that this uh, these tools were important to his business at large. He didn't understand how to use them. He wasn't using them, but he knew he had to embrace them. And I think that, that passion and that interest is really um, an important part of social media. Even if you don't understand the technology, as long as you're interested in it and, and realize it will be valuable to you, uh, you can you can learn the technology. It's not hard. So he didn't charge you for peanuts or anything like that, or uh, carry-on luggage was free. Is that right? <laughs> he did not. Very kind of him, don't you think? What a guy. What a guy. Yeah. You know, by, uh, by way of full disclosure, I think we must say at this point that Ray does have a tattoo of Tony Robbins on his left uh, forearm. I want to mention that. <laughs> I knew there was something suspicious about him. There you go. You should see the poster in the studio. It's pretty cool. Hey, listen, we have another question from a Twitter uh, You're follower. You're smoking that Sean. sugar cane again, aren't you? Yeah, okay. <laughs> Sean says, your hair looks fantastic, Amber, and wants to know who does your hair Amber, I'm thinking this may be a setup, someone soliciting for a cheap plug about your friend that does your hair. Oh, my goodness. I don't think so. That's kind of funny, actually, that he was asking that question. Um, I don't feel like my hair looks good all the time, but I go to a studio called B-Suite in Toronto, and, in fact, I'm working very hard to get them uh, using social media. And I'll tell you a, a quick little story, if we have time, about the cover of the book. If you look at the cover, I'm on the cover, and there are people behind me. Well, these aren't just random people. These are people who... I went on on Twitter and I said, hey, do you want to be part of the cover shoot? And literally random people showed up um, and, and real people showed up to be part of this cover shoot. So it's not like the uh, publisher actually took just uh, stock photography and plugged it in there. But if you look to, uh, I think it's the far right on the cover, there is a guy standing with a laptop and a baseball hat. He's actually my hairdresser. And uh, he jumped into the shot at the very last minute. <laughs> and I didn't even know that he was in the photo until the end. So uh, um, a little... Uh, interesting tidbit about the book. So you're not Mormon, this is not your family. Is that what you're saying? Okay, okay, good. Yeah. And by the way, if you have a, uh, a new uh, a version, too, of your book, Ray and I will uh, send you a digital photo and hopefully make the cover next time. Uh, <laughs> real quickly, uh, one, you know, some people out there, I'm sure, are seasoned pros, media uh, digital media seasoned pros, I guess I should say, but yet there are a lot of tools out there that I think people are still uncomfortable with, as Ray mentioned at the open of the show. Uh, so many options, blogs, micro-messaging, social networking, videos, podcasts, mobile tools, etc. I'm curious, let's talk about a few of these and see if you can give us a sense, Amber, of what business category might match up best for the particular digital platform, starting with micro-messaging. Who should be micro-messaging these days? Sure. Well, when I say micro-messaging in the book, what I'm talking about is services like Twitter that allow you to send out quick little messages. Now, I would say Twitter is actually good for a bunch of different businesses. It's not necessarily industry-specific. So whether you run a small business where maybe you uh, uh, have some type of restaurant or if you're selling crafts online or you work for a bigger company, a bigger brand, um, like some big brands like Starbucks are using Twitter in a pretty uh, interactive way. I really think Twitter is the one tool that's good for pretty much any uh, company. And so um, I would put that in a category of, hey, anyone can use it and you can find a way to be able to connect with your customers or clients. You know, I think most people think of media companies when they think of podcasts, but yet uh, companies outside of the realm of media can capitalize on podcasts, can't they? 
Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, pretty much any uh, company can use uh, a podcasting to figure out a way to create a show, and that can be an audio or a video show that you put out there. You know, media companies do do it, but I've seen a lot of brands do podcasts as well. Um, for instance, uh, there is uh, a, a store in um, Canada called uh, Home Depot where people have uh, they they can go in and they can buy tools and uh, they can. Uh, um, you know, find uh, different uh, different uh, uh, tools to work with, and they do a really popular video podcast where uh, they teach people about how to build things in their home, and that tends to be, you know, the the type of podcast that does really well, kind of the how-to podcast. And so, if you have a company that does something where you're trying to teach people how to do something, or you have a product that they need to learn, then a podcast is a really, really great tool to leverage. I'm frankly surprised that more companies aren't doing things like that. I, I think that the realization uh, of, of the potential of something like a podcast or a vodcast or whatever is uh, absolutely incredible. It just surprises me to see how many companies haven't figured that out yet. I totally agree with you. I think they're just afraid of the term podcasting in some ways. Maybe we need to call it something else. But it can be a great way to reach out to customers. I mean, if you know why they're using your products or services and you want to teach them how to use them or um, you know, just give them other content or information, it's a great free way to be able to get them that information on a downloadable device. And you don't need the, you know, the millions of dollars of cameras or the audio suite or the set or whatever. Uh, I mean, a podcast could be nothing more than a you know than a high quality uh, webcam or something uh, like yeah, well, that. I mean, you can go as far as getting a, a really good quality camera, but like you said, you can also record video just on a webcam on your computer. And yeah. uh, there are both types of podcasts that have been very successful. I I really encourage people to explore the podcasting world and, and just to get your feet wet, just go onto iTunes and see what podcasts are there. Uh, most of them uh, are available, and they're they're not too long to listen to or watch and get a sense of um, what type of content they're pushing out because like you guys said it's just a, a great way to connect with people funny thing is amber and you don't know this but or maybe uh, unless you know a little bit more about the show but we have been doing podcasts before there were actually podcasts uh, available or they called them podcasts this uh, goes back to 2001 uh, oh, and, wow. uh, for instance, That's all great. of these shows, including yours uh, today, are, are archived and, uh, and available uh, for uh, for listening uh, anytime. So we've got uh, Amber Mack, our uh, special guest here, Power Friending, demystifying social media to grow your business. With Ray Shillings and Brad Forsythe, there is more to come here in just a moment. Hope you stick around. Amber Mack is our special guest here at the Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. Glad you're listening today. Uh, Power Friending, demystifying social media to grow your business. The Advertising Show is no newbie to uh, to social media and or the benefits and the positive things that are going on. Somebody else that seems to do everything right. Uh, if Tony Shaw came to me and said, uh, I got some shoes I want to sell over the Internet or anything else, I would say, how much money would you like, Tony? Uh, you you mentioned uh, shoe-friendly customer service in your book. What is that all about? Well, if anyone's familiar with the brand Zappos, I think it's one of the best examples of how a company has really used social media in a smart way. And this comes down from their CEO, Tony, who you just mentioned. And uh, what Tony does is he uses tools, including Twitter and many other services online, as a place to have conversations with customers, to do customer service. And in fact, what he does is he encourages other people within his organization to be part of these social networks, which is very different. I mean, I speak to a lot of companies where they say, you know what, we're not allowed to access 
YouTube or Facebook in our organization. So how do we take advantage of these tools at all? And what Tony's done is, for instance, if you go to the Zappos website, you'll see that there are about 500 employees at Zappos who actually list their Twitter accounts. So he's very smart in the sense that instead of having just one person like himself being the face of his social media efforts, he literally has an army of people who are out there and engaging and talking about his brand and loving the Zappos brand. So uh, it's a great example about how social media can work and how it can really grow from the inside out. You know, uh, Amber, one of our more frugal followers on Twitter, Kevin, wants to know how somebody can get him a free copy of your book. I'm, I'm <laughs> suggesting that Kevin either get a library card or a part-time job. What do you think? <laughs> I think that's great advice. And I will say that you can get the book on Amazon, and I believe it's only about $16. So uh, most people can find that type of money or put it on a wish list and get it for a uh, an upcoming birthday uh, gift. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, you know, go back to some of your topics here that you'd submitted before the interview today that are outside of the realm of your book. I wanted to address. I understand you say going live is the new way to garner greater attention on the web these days. Is that just a novelty thing about being live, or what exactly is it about going live that sets you apart from other online content? Well, first of all, I think what's amazing about being able to go live on the Internet using a service like Ustream is that if you looked at 10 years ago, if you tried to do a live broadcast online, it would cost you a ton of money and it would take a lot of expensive equipment as well. But today, literally with a webcam and a free service like Ustream, you can do a live uh, broadcast of any type of content, and then maybe you want to send it out as a podcast. So I think as much as it's great that it, and it's beneficial that you can download content off the Internet anytime you want, I think people still like that live element, and there's an energy to it that is appreciated on the web. So I recommend if you want to experiment with either a radio show or a video show online, or maybe it's just a one-time event, then set up a live event. Maybe it happens at Friday at 12 o'clock where you're teaching people about what your company does, and you do it for an hour. You have the chat room going, and you'll find that it is a different way to engage with people, and it can be very successful, um, again, because of the energy surrounding something that happens live. You know, I think a lot of businesses today look at Facebook the way they looked at websites back in the late 90s, early 2000s, where if you're in business, you've got to have a website or you're going to miss out. I see a lot of businesses today are going to Facebook, setting up their business site, but yet they really don't know our business page, I should say, and they really are at a loss as to what they're doing on Facebook. Do you see much of that, Amber? I do see a lot of that, and it's funny, you know, I think there was a, a period where people weren't really be, uh, figuring out how to use Facebook to its full potential, and I even had the same problem. You know, I loved that I was there, and I knew that I had a decent amount of fans who had joined my page and who were having conversations, but I didn't really understand how to maximize my presence there, and I had a great opportunity to sit down with some people with, at Facebook to talk to me about some of the tips that they have, and they teach companies about how to connect on the site, and I'll, I'll give you just one here. Now, a lot of people, when they start up a Facebook page, they focus on the page itself and what it looks like. They add a bunch of content into the tabs, and they think about people coming to visit that page. Well, the reality is that 90% of people who are checking out what you're posting on your Facebook page, they're actually viewing that in their news feed on their own homepage. So they're very rarely actually venturing out 
to your page. So the tip here is to focus less on the, the design of the page itself and focus more on the messages that you're sending out there. So focus on the blank box at the top where you put in posts on your wall and have conversations, add photos, ask questions, and really focus on having content in there that when people get that content in their news feed, they, they feel a desire to either like that content, to comment on that content, or share that content. And that's the way you can make something go viral on Facebook. So uh, just one tip to encourage people to uh, use Facebook and use it in a way where they'll be able to attract an even, even larger audience. Facebook has made it not very easy to uh, sometimes follow their rules as their rules change uh, what seems to be uh, weekly or possibly hourly at, at times. Uh, but it certainly is a great platform. I have a question for you here as it relates to a virtual handshake. Uh, when the Internet first became, obviously, a great way to communicate via snail mail instead of snail mail. Uh, reaching out to somebody who you hadn't contacted before was a bad thing to do. It was called spam, and you did not do that. So would you please explain to me what a virtual handshake is and how that works and relates to uh, Internet etiquette? Well, I think this goes back to the title of the book. I mean, it's called Power Friending. And one of the reasons I called it that was when I was speaking at an event, this woman in the back of the audience said, how has the Internet changed the definition of a friend? And I thought to myself, that is such a fantastic question, because the Internet really has. Like you said, there was a time where you wouldn't just randomly contact someone on the Internet. It would seem weird, like you were stalking them. And But now what's happening is that the idea of a virtual handshake is you're going out there, you're connecting with people, and you're building relationships. And I would argue that these are real relationships in the sense that I often call people who I've met online my friends, even if I haven't met them face-to-face. So I think that our relationship with people, as far as the definition, is kind of changing because of the Internet. And I think that the Internet is also enabling us to connect with people who 10 years ago we would never have met, we would never have been able to form relationships with them. Now when I go to pretty much any city, I can go onto Twitter or Facebook or uh, LinkedIn and say, hey, I'm in your city, where should I eat? Where should I stay? I can ask all these questions to this network of people who I, I trust, at least most of them. And so it's really changing the way I decide not only how do I spend my money, but also the collection of people who I call my friends. Okay. Well, as we wrap up this segment, uh, Amber, any parting thoughts as to advice for those that may not be socially media savvy, that either on a business or personal level, how you might encourage them to maybe take a first step? One thing I would say is to start slowly. I mean, don't feel as though you have to use all of the different sites at once. And so pick a couple of the different services. Have a plan in place, even if it's one page or maybe it's a two-page plan. Have some goals in terms of why you want to use these different tools. And then slowly build up your network on these tools. Connect with people. Ask people questions. Don't be shy uh, about researching information. Don't feel as though you're dumb because you don't understand how some of these different services work. And just put on a brave face and kind of charge forward. Um, But again, don't try to do everything at once. Good advice as we wrap up here. Amber, you've written a great book. I suggest uh, businesses and individuals go get it. It's called Power Friending, Demystifying Social Media to Grow Your Business. Amber Mack from uh, Toronto, a pleasure having you here on the Advertising Show. Thank you so much, guys. Hey, thanks again to Amber. Our guest next week on the Advertising Show is we're back with you live. It's author Dan Hill, and the book is called About Face. Hope you can join us. In the meantime, tell a friend about the Advertising Show. Why do more media professionals read IWantMedia.com? IWantMedia.com features reports from industry leaders and media personalities. 
iwantmedia.com. Gives you quick access to news, stats, trade orgs, and industry publications. And it's updated daily. Forbes says iwantmedia.com contains everything media professionals need to stay ahead of the game. The Washington Post calls it the source for the serious media geek. Do you get it? If you don't, you should. To sign up for free daily email alerts, visit iwantmedia.com.